So it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your relationship. That's the thing. People think if we're seeking out therapy, we're in trouble, but that's, that's not the case. You're seeking out therapy because you want to, you want to take care of your relationship and you want to make sure you don't get into trouble. Right. Right. It's, it's preventative. Yeah. And to bring it back to the car metaphor, uh, you don't put oil in your car or change the oil in your car because it's broken down. You do it to keep it running. This week, new guest, Dr. Frankie Bashan joins the podcast, and we explore how the metaphor of taking care of your car translates into relationships, and why so many people actually take care of their car better than their relationships. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am very excited today because we have a new guest on, Dr. Frankie Bashan. Hi, Frankie. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here, Steve. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, it's always great to hear from new people and new voices. Um, but before we get into today's topic, which will be um, about maintaining your car or why people maintain their car better than the relationship, I, I love this uh, <laughs> topic. Um, I want to give people a little background on you. So you are a renowned relationship coach and dating expert. Uh, you are a licensed clinical psychologist with over a decade of experience working with couples and individuals uh, with specialized training in the field of trauma. Uh, you are the CEO and founder of littleblackbookmatchmaking.com, which specializes in personal personalized matchmaking for singles. And you can learn more um, about, the listeners can learn more about you, Dr. Frankie, at your website, drfrankie.com. So uh, with that introduction, was there anything that I missed? I'm also the CEO of littlegaybook.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's a, it's matchmaking for lesbians and bisexual women. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Lots uh, of matchmaking happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wear a lot of hats. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, like I said, the, the topic today we're going to talk about is um, people who maintain their car better than their relationships. And so first, uh, I wanted to ask, why do you think more time and effort is put into material things like cars than personal relationships? So look at our society, right? Like we put a lot of value in presentation. Look at Instagram, right? We're all trying to put our like best selves out there and make ourselves look really great, beautiful, all our flashy cars and our flashy clothes. And so it's a, we're really an instant gratification kind of society and it's easier, right? To mm-hmm. spend money and then have an immediate, you know, reaction of gratification. Whereas in a relationship, 
there's much more vulnerability, right? Investing in a relationship and expressing, you know, your needs or expressing your, you know, happiness, um, you know, showing gratitude, there's much more vulnerability around that. And I think people sort of shy away for Mm -hmm. lots of different reasons, right? Fear of rejection or fear of vulnerability. So it's just easier to invest in inanimate objects and material items rather than our relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people might also say that they can't afford a new car or to pay for major repairs. So that's why they invest the time to take care of those things. Whereas um, people know that if you're married or in some sort of like long-term relationship, it's strong. So what's the danger? Why do you need to put so much time and effort into it? Why are we assuming that though, right? Like we can't afford to lose our relationship just as much as we can't afford for our car to break down. Um, So we should be thinking about it similarly. Like we need to be maintaining our relationship similar to how we maintain our car. It's something that we rely on. It's something that gives us stability. And, you know, we know it's going to turn on in the morning. We want to make sure that we know our partner is going to want to receive us in the morning and is going to right be responsive to us, just like we want a car to be responsive. So it's just, I think it's, it's unfortunate that we, you know, would think that, oh, well, you know, my relationship's fine. It seems fine on the surface. Like, no one's complaining. So I'm just going to assume that it's fine until I have a reason to think otherwise, mm-hmm. which is an error. It's a mistake that a lot of people make. Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, one of the things, one of the reasons that we started Hitched was because we, I, I saw personally that most of the time people sought out relationship information once they were in a committed relationship was once there was trouble. There wasn't the ongoing, yes. right? So, um, yes. And so I'm. I, that's why I was so excited about this maintenance of the car versus marriage talk conversation because that was really the impetus of Hitched way back when we launched it was the maintenance aspect of it that I think so many people overlook. And it's so needed. It's so necessary. Like by the time people end up in my office, couples, it's almost too late. Like there's so much resentment and there's years of pain that's been built up, mm-hmm. um, that it's hard to, it's hard to really overcome that, like undo it. So the idea is to be doing maintenance from the beginning, even pre marriage to set the stage, right? Set right. the expectations, putting that effort in even early on. And as we progress to continue to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if you were to maintain your marriage on a schedule like you do a car, what would uh, the maintenance include? That's a great question. So checking in, right? So in a car, we have an alert systems, right, that let us know that we're low on oil or low on fuel. We don't have that in a relationship necessarily. Sometimes it's very subtle. And because it's it's painful to acknowledge, right, that there's something wrong, we can very easily turn a blind eye, right, and brush mm-hmm. it under the rug because it's just, it, we kind of are, are hoping it'll just go away. Um, but the problem with that is that we all know it just builds up and it builds up and compounds until there's an explosion um, down the line. And that could be months or years down the line. So 
one thing is just to like regularly have a check-in. It could be a weekly check-in where there's like, you know, you're, you're uninterrupted. You put the cell phones away, the iPads away, the TV's off. And you're just like, you know, checking in with your partner. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you feeling? Is there anything that came up this week that I did that you might, you know, might have irritated you or that you want to talk to me about? Like, I want to get feedback from you. I really, ultimately, you're so important to me. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm attending to you, that I'm mindful and I want you to be happy and I want us to be happy. Right. So it's, it's, even if there's nothing going on, what does that convey to your partner? It conveys that there's, there's care, right. That you just, you want to nurture the relationship that it's important. So that's one thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's such a great point too, because a lot of times, um, there's those like long gaps of silence and there's comfort in that silence and you're, you're really good. It's like, Oh, we haven't really delved into anything for the last couple of weeks. We're all good until there's like that one day where you're just like, it hits you like, Holy crap. Like we haven't talked in three weeks. Like what's, what's wrong. And so those check-ins make it so, um, one, I guess one of the things um, that I love about the check-in thing is that it doesn't make it a weird thing to do when it becomes part of your um, habit of the relationship. Exactly. Exactly. It's just kind of built in and it's something, it makes both people feel valued and seen and heard and it creates a space that doesn't have to feel uncomfortable, right? Like you're saying it's there every week. So you, you know, it's there, it's built in. So it's not something you have to fear. It's just kind of a part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's super important. And I cannot tell you, there's very few people that I, that I have come across that actually do that. <laughs> I, uh, like obviously as like the co-founder of hitched and stuff, um, I've, I've said this in past podcasts, but I like, I try to live the brand. So I try to take the advice that people like you come on and, and share. And I try to put it into my own relationship. Um, and like you talking about all this stuff reminded me of a a story, uh, from my own personal experience where I had, I, when I went to college, I bought a truck right before I left so that I could move. I went to school in San Francisco and, uh, I, I bought this truck and I was test driving it with my dad and the oil gauge showed that there was getting zero oil pressure and we drove it around for a couple minutes and it was like, Oh, it's totally, totally fine. Like th- th- that gauge has to be broken because clearly this truck is getting oil. Otherwise like it wouldn't run. Uh, long story short, the truck was not getting oil. The oil pressure gauge was not broken and the truck engine seized. And, uh, again, I, so that delves off into a whole other big story, but basically it was like, I saw that something was wrong and I didn't believe it and I didn't want to address it until it broke. And so I think that was, that's like another thing that you can take into a relationship too. Like if you feel like something's not right, like do the check-in. Yes. What a good analogy. Absolutely. Cause it's not worth it, right? It's not worth being stranded. It's not worth w- walking into your house, your home that you, that you own with your partner to find that they have moved out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what the hell happened? I mean, that happens, right? Where people just aren't good communicators and they avoid, 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 and then they come home and they're shocked. They get blindsided. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's such a, that's a great example, um, to trust it. Like if you feel that there's something that isn't quite right, ask, Yeah, you know, it'll never hurt to ask. So communication, 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 right. That's really important. Another thing is like, 
being spontaneous. That's a big thing in relationships, right? Like when, when I was married for 12 years, like we, you just get into the kind of, it gets kind of monotonous and you get into life and the routines and the excitement starts to slowly dissipate over time. So there needs to be a concerted effort on, you know, in, on both people's part, right. To create spontane spontaneity. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you have date night, there should always be time for date night. And then just maybe one person picks a restaurant. That's a surprise or like picks a movie. That's a surprise or just surprises, you know, their partner or leave sweet notes. That's another one. People love, like a lot of people love affirmations, Yep. right? Like put a note in his lunchbox, make his lunch one day, or, you know what I mean? Or like leave a note late at night. So in the bathroom, when he gets up early in the morning, it's there. Like things like that. Um, and they're small, but they go, like they have a really big impact. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, you brought it up earlier about when you do those types of things, it alerts your spouse, even if there's nothing new going on when you do your check-in, it alerts your spouse that you're thinking of them, that you're caring about them, that they're on your mind. And therefore they're not some second or third class citizen in your life. They are a top priority. Exactly. Like we're not taking each other for granted. Right. That's what happens naturally over time. You just start to be like, well, she's always there. She's going to be there. So why should I bother? Like I have way other things, to, you know, so many other things to attend to, but it, you know, over time that chips away at the, at the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to be investing, you know, and maintaining. Um, the other thing is, which people don't think of, you know, like here's an example. I don't love watching sports, mm-hmm. but it seems to be that everybody I've ever been with <laughs> loves sports. <laughs> and they would say to me, can you just sit down next to me and watch football? That You don't have to do it for long, like half hour. Right. And it would make such a difference when I said yes. And no, did I enjoy any of that? No, it's so boring. But to spend time with your partner and doing something that they really enjoy, even if you don't enjoy it, is important. It's part of maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's part of like just showing that you care and investing in the relationship. So that's something also people don't think about. Yeah. You know, uh, so I have another little personal story on that one too. Uh, so my wife loves gymnastics and, um, I, not that I didn't like gymnastics, but I never really gave much thought to gymnastics outside of watching it on, uh, the Olympics during, during the Olympics. Right. Um, And so I made a deal with her that um, I would go to one gymnastics meet a year with her. And so I started doing that and, you know, I started meeting people and uh, long story short, again, uh, about a decade later, I wrote my first book and it was with the head coach of the UCLA gymnastics team. So it was one of these things, right. And so it was one of these things where I took an interest in what she was interested in and it totally spun off into its own new life, uh, with me personally. And, you know, I feel like I'm a better, well-rounded, um, more worldly person because we've traveled the world watching gymnastics things, more worldly person because of me expressing interest in what she loved and was passionate about. Yeah. So like there's an example where it created opportunity for you that you could not have foreseen. Right. Right. So just being open, um, to learning and experiencing, even if it's something that may not necessarily interest you is really important. The other thing is exercise. I mean, you're just, you're bringing up gymnastics and saying football, but the idea of like encouraging each other to take better care of ourselves, like engage in self-care and exercise together 
is really helpful too, because when there's accountability, right, in terms of health and fitness, we do a better job of taking care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's a way that you can maintain the relationship by just, you know, trying to be healthy and support one another and spend quality time doing something that is keeping us healthy. So that's another thing. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to add to that is, um, we know through a lot of research that it, you don't even have to get your spouse to go to the gym with you. If you yourself invest in being healthy, which means you're going to probably buy better foods, bringing it into the house, and then you start exercising, your spouse will uh, start benefiting themselves because they will probably eat what you're eating, um, and they might get inspired to be a little more active, um, even if you don't push them to go to the gym with you. So, there's, Exactly. There's that yes. And we all know, right, food affects mood and affects anxiety levels. So, like, if you're taking care of yourself and you're both supporting one another, you're going to be able to weather the storms of life better together. Right. Yeah. It's such a cyclical thing, too. Absolutely. Um, So, I wanted to move on to this uh, car maintenance metaphor here. (laughs) Uh, So... One of the things that we know is that we have, and you brought it up earlier, that we will have regularly scheduled oil changes for every few thousand miles. Can you think of some sort of like an equivalent maintenance for marriage? Yeah, I... So is it the idea like, you know, you hit 50,000 miles and you have a major tune up on a car? Like what would that be in a relationship? Well, we're going to get to that one next. So uh, maybe that maybe the check-ins is the oil change. And so maybe we should move on to yeah. So what would be the what would be the big checkup? The the major ones that you have to do every 50,000 miles or so. Okay, wait. So there's two pieces here. One I want to say is we definitely don't want to wait till that 50,000 mile mark, right? right? Which is like, if we could say hypothetically five years, I think five to eight years, it can get, it can get hard somewhere in between there in my experience of mm-hmm. working um, with couples. So we wouldn't want to wait until that point. So you would want to even in the first year or two, right? When that honeymoon phase starts to wear off, and certain things that our partner is doing is just like a frequent irritant that keeps coming up and, and maybe you're talking about it or maybe you're not. Um, but even if you are talking about it, it doesn't seem to improve. I think that like go in, make an appointment with a therapist just to clear the air, just to have somebody help the two of you talk it through and either, you know, talk about accepting that this is who this is who your partner is and we all have our idiosyncratic behavior mm-hmm. or maybe talking to the partner about adjusting or modifying that right but then you're connected to a therapist you don't want to wait until shit hits the fan you know 5 years 6 years in mm-hmm. and this like has built up over years and then you're you're looking for a therapist you're already in a state and you don't you're not connected to somebody that you feel comfortable with and you're two people. So even if you feel comfortable with a therapist that you've chosen, your partner may not. And it just gets dragged out, right? It's hard to find somebody when you're under pressure that you feel comfortable working with. So I think that's long-winded, but I'd say the sooner the better. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's really good and I um like we have long advocated for therapy and trying to destigmatize it and and things of that nature because I do I mean there's it's just a tremendous benefit because here's the thing that I like to talk about. If you wanted to get faster, you would go to a running coach. When you want to lose weight, you go to a nutritionist, you go to the gym and you get a trainer. 
if you want to get better at relationships, you would go to an expert. You go to a psychologist. You go to some sort of therapist that can that this is what they do. They they know the language that will help you. They know the actions that will help you. So it makes so much sense to me. Absolutely. Yes. So it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your relationship. That's the thing. People think if we're seeking out therapy, we're in trouble. But that's that's not the case. You're seeking out therapy because you want to you want to take care of your relationship and you want to make sure you don't get into trouble. Right. Right. It's it's preventative. Yeah. And to bring it back to the car metaphor, uh, you don't put oil in your car or change the oil in your car because it's broken down. You do it to keep it running. So absolutely. Same thing with therapy. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Look at you. You come up with all these awesome examples. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, uh, I, I really, again, like I really love this idea of maintenance because it does, it destigmatizes the entire process of, um, well, let me go back one more time. Um, I don't like to use the word, um, working in marriages or relationships in general, because I feel like nobody wants to work, but I do think that relationships require concerted, intentional, um, intention, um, and, uh, concerted effort. Um, but yes. you know, effort can be fun. Intention can be fun. Um, but when you start labeling at work, people are like, oh shit, another thing that I have to work on, but you know, it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, I love this idea of the maintenance because it puts a um, attention on the relationship in a non-negative light. It's it's to keep it running, so you can have this relationship vehicle run for five hundred thousand miles. You know, so exactly. Um, and you want clean oil. That's the other thing, right? right. You want to be replacing the oil, right? And and the thing about it too is we we know that we change over time. We know the circumstances are going to change. People, people do have kids, which changes the dynamic of the relationship. People do have family members who pass away. There are sicknesses and illnesses that come about that will change things. Jobs, like I could go on and on and on. And we, like, if you're doing it right, I believe personally, um, you will change and hopefully you will change for the better and you will grow and doing that with your spouse will only make it that much more exciting. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. And if both people are invested, that's what, I mean, that's where you see so much growth, right? Like mm -hmm. relationships are definitely hard, but when both people are committed from the beginning, to be working on the, like, I know you don't, the, the word working makes it sound negative, but <laughs> right. no, to be nurturing, fine. right. To be yeah. investing, to put in, be putting in the effort, um, to maintain the relationship in a healthy way. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's no reason a relationship should not last exactly. really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th well, this is, this was fantastic. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add before I uh, button this one up? I want to just encourage people to, to just make the effort, right? Don't give up on those relationships. I see plenty of people who just, they kind of just give up because it feels like they, they kind of didn't do the work early on. And then they feel like it's such a big mountain that they can never get over like all the resentment they can't undo. Mm -hmm. So just, I want to encourage people, don't be afraid, get out there, find a good therapist early on and, and be nurturing that relationship. So it lasts a really long time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, thank you, Dr. Frankie. It has been a real pleasure and, um, I hope to have you back on sometime soon. Thanks Steve. Anytime. 
Uh, so before we do go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Frankie Bashan, who is a renowned relationship coach and dating expert. She is also a licensed clinical psychologist uh, with over a decade of experience. She is the CEO and founder of littleblackbookmatchmaking.com. She is also the CEO of littlegaybook.com. Um, I will... Uh, include this information in the show notes and of course you can find um, that and thousands of articles hundreds of podcast episodes our newsletter and much much more on our website hitchmag.com uh, thank you for listening and until next time take care everybody we're on top of the world tonight.